Women just are naturally lovely lovers. Men, we gotta we gotta learn how to be lovely lovers, whatever that means. I don't know what that means. I better get on with the word of God. I'm getting in trouble here by the month. Today is the 21st. I picked uh, Proverb 30, uh, verse 31 out of Proverbs 21. You can get the horses ready for battle, but it's the Lord who gives the victory. Amen. Okay. So today is the third week um, in a series. Um, uh, and the word that describes it is the word truish, which is a word I've heard other pastors use. And it references something that, that looks, fe- looks true, feels true, sounds true. But might not be, and uh, so we'll call that that concept truish. And I want to talk today about truish beliefs that apply that might affect our eternal life. And so um, here's the context. We're going to jump right into scripture today, um, in Acts chapter 16. And here's the context: Paul and Silas have just been tossed into prison. And because what they did was they delivered demons out of somebody, they they ministered something of freedom to someone spiritually, and so they got thrown into prison. They were publicly stripped and beaten, put in the most secure place of the prison, put into stocks, they're locked up. Okay, they're in the center of the stronghold, and they're locked up good and tight. And long about midnight, they, what are, how are they reacting to all these terrible things being done to them? They're singing songs. They're praising God, and they're having themselves a worship service at midnight. And um, God answers their prayers and their hymns by sending a supernatural miracle, and um, an earthquake happens, and in that earthquake, um, the doors open up and the chains fall off. Pretty cool thing to happen, I think, especially if you're a prisoner in... in uh, it sounds like a pretty amazing thing. I don't know how many prisoners have praise and worship meetings at midnight, but anyway, so this is going on. And now the jailer, the guy in charge of the prison, freaks out, because in their culture, by their law, if his prisoners escape, he faces death. And it's not a pretty death. And he realizes, okay, the doors are all open. I'm done for. And he's literally planning and beginning the process of suicide. Okay? It's a bad day for this jailer. Got the context so far? Um, Acts 16, verse 29. The jailer called for lights. Turn on the lights. Rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And, um, you know, he, he, Paul says, hey, don't, don't kill yourself before this. He says, don't kill yourself. We're, we're still here. Chill, you know. He says, the jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out, and he said, and this is the most important question written anywhere in Scripture. He says, he wants to know, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And the answer is, it depends on who you ask right? It really depends on who you ask. You can ask a lot of different people and hear a whole bunch of different answers to the question. You can ask the Pope and you'll hear one thing. You can ask the Dalai Lama and he'll tell you something else. You can ask Madonna and she'll tell you something else. You can, you can ask Billy Graham, you know, what must I do to be saved? And um, you hear a lot of different opinions because there are a ton of different <laughs> beliefs out there. You know, um, I used to work with a guy, this is a long time ago, um, I worked for AT&T at the time, and I worked with this guy. I liked him, and we got along real well, and he was an adherent. He, he, he belonged to um, a faith called the Worldwide Church of God. You may have heard of it. Herbert W. Armstrong was the guy. And this, this guy really believed that to go to heaven, you must keep the Sabbath, which occurs from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. You keep it according to the Old Testament rules. You eat according to Old Testament. If you do those things, you can be saved. And he would, you know... 
What are you doing over the weekend? Da, 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 da. What, about, what about the Sabbath Friday night? And I'm thinking, well, I go on church on Sunday. He says, that's not, you're not going you're not, you're not to make it. He really believed it. And um, I mean, there's another time, Lisa and I were, um, we were actually with some other couples from our church and we went on a Saturday outing and we were up at um, Stanley Park in Vancouver. If you've ever been up there, it's a beautiful place. And we're walking through the park and here's this young woman sitting there that I would say was 20-ish in her early 20s. And as were we, I think, at the time. And we thought, you know, sit down and talk to this girl because she seemed like she wanted somebody to sit down and talk to her. So we sat down and talked to her and we found out that she was a follower of the Reverend Sun Myung Moon. And we called them Moonies. I don't know if that was a very nice thing to call people back then, but, you know, they were Moonies. And, 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 and they believed the Sun Myung, Sun Myung Moon was Jesus Christ already come for the second time. And that's how they believed you'd get saved. And I mean, you don't have to go very far. Right here in our own region, we got all kinds of different things. There's, there are a bunch of people um, off one direction that believe that they can find out how to be saved by listening to a 35,000-year-old 35 warrior named Rantha who is really actually a demon. Or, and then maybe some of you are old enough to remember the Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh. Remember that? Okay, Rajneesh Puram near Antelope, Oregon. They bought some land, incorporated, turned it into a city, and I mean, it was kind of flipping out. I mean, there are all kinds of things. It depends who you ask, what kind of answer you'll get, because there's all kinds of different beliefs. And, and in this series, I want, I've been talking each week about a very common philosophy, a, a thought process, a belief system, really, a, called relativism. What's Relativism. Relativism is the assumption that today there is no such thing as absolute truth. Okay? And because people don't necessarily believe in absolute truth, when it comes to religion, when it comes to eternal issues, what you're going to often hear today out there is, you know, it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Okay? I mean, what's true for you may not be true for me, so, um, you know, don't push your Christian beliefs on me, you know, I, I, and especially the parts about hell. I just can't buy into the concept that um, a loving God, I don't see how he could send people to hell. doesn't make sense, doesn't feel right. Besides, that whole Christian thing where you insist that Jesus is the only way, you know, that is so narrow-minded. If, you know, if you really believe that, you've got to be one of the most narrow-minded, bigoted, you know, uneducated. I mean, these things they say, if you believe that, because it can't be the only way. I mean, it can't be the only way. Even Oprah, here's a quote. Even Oprah, here's, I watched this video and transcribed. There are many ways, many paths to God. There couldn't possibly be just one. Even Oprah says there are many ways to God. And that viewpoint is absolutely and completely true-ish. Sounds true, you know, and, and in our pluralistic world, it just seems fair that, you know, if you're trying, if you're sincere, then whatever you believe is probably okay. It just sounds fair. It just feels okay. It feels right. And it's what a lot of people believe today. It really is. Check this out. 53%, over half of Americans believe that if a person is generally good, he'll go to heaven. You know, If you're generally good, if you try hard, if you're not an axe murderer, okay, 
you'll probably go to heaven. 43% of born-again Christians say it doesn't matter what religious faith you follow because all faiths teach similar lessons about life. Okay? 57% of evangelical church members, this would be an evangelical church. Okay, an evangelical church is a church that believes in the authority of the word of God, believes that Jesus came and died to pay the price for our sin and that we should share that faith. That's what an evangelical church is. 57% of evangelical church members say they believe that many religions can lead to eternal life, lead to the same place. Okay, so... You might be saying, why are you preaching on this, Terry? Because we don't believe that here. There are people sitting in this room today, a significant number this moment that believe there's lots of ways to get there. So I want us to take a really look at that. Now, and and I'm going to say to you from a personal level, you know, full disclosure, I'm a Christian. So I'm going to come from the standpoint, and I'm going to talk about Jesus, okay? Um, (laughs) And I, I am not under any sort of illusion that I am personally the greatest defender of the faith, and that I have some sort sort of you know intellectual lock on this deal. I, I'm you know I'm not going to try to convince you of anything. Well, actually, I'm going to try to convince you of something here. But but I'm not. I, I really don't believe that I have the ability to convince you of this. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And so um, you know, if somebody could do that with you, they would have already done that by now. So I'm simply going to ask you. No matter how you've been raised or what you might think is true, I'm going to ask you if to start out, if we could agree just on three basic principles and build a foundation for what we're going to talk about today. And, 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 then, I'm, and then I'm going to ask you to take an objective look at Jesus. And then you can make up your own mind. So I want to start seeing if we can agree on three basic things and then try to answer some questions. Are all world religions basically the same and mostly true? Are all world religions basically the same? Because if, 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 if you know, um, I, I think that's something we're going to try and figure out. So, I think we can agree, first thing on this, is just because you're sincere, it doesn't make what you believe true. Okay? Just because you're sincere doesn't make what you believe true. And admittedly, this goes against what um, a lot of people think today, because a lot of think it doesn't matter a lot of people think it doesn't matter what you believe as long as, as you're sincere. And if we just look at this logically, I mean, I'm going to give you an example here, and, um, and, and just because you believe something, it doesn't make it true. I'm going, to, I'm going to make a demonstration here. I'll show you something. And I want to give you a preface, because I'm going to show you a short video. And I make it a practice not to stand up here and hammer on people, okay? I, I, that's just not in me. It's not who I am. So I don't want you to view that that's what I'm going to do by showing you this video. Um, but... This video is an actual, um, hold the video, okay? Don't, don't hit the tar- tar- trigger yet. But this is an actual video from um, a, a tryout from American Idol, okay? And um, this individual really sincerely has a belief about his gift. And it's not my intention to make fun of him. I'm just trying to make the point here. So um, you can see by just watching one American Idol tryout. But this is my singing and I'll be there with you forever (laughs) I will see you, I will see you right there And all of you people that are watching this 
I know you are voting for me right now. I just love you and I just want to thank you, God, for giving me this amazing talent. And I just want to say thank you, everybody. Okay. I <laughs> First, let me say, he sings better than me, okay? <laughs> so if you're hard on him, be nice to the guy. But listen, I'm just wondering, dude, where are your friends? Don't you have anybody that loves you enough to sit down and tell you? I mean, Simon is rude, but he tells the truth. You will not be a professional singer, young man. Put your, I mean, I, here's someone who sincerely believes something, but it is not true. Do you get that? Okay, so, I mean, I mean, can we pretty much agree that just because you're sincere doesn't mean, doesn't make what you believe? Can we kind of agree on that? Yeah, okay, okay. All right, so number two. Can we agree that um, there is some truth in many world religions, but all religions can't be true. There could be some, I mean, I mean, let's, let's unpack that. I mean, uh, our, a lot of people will say, well, our religion is right, and um, all the rest are idiotic and demonic and, you know, satanic and they're cults and so forth. I mean, a lot of people say that, but if we look objectively, if we take a, a, an objective look at the major world religions, I think that we'll agree that there are some similarities there can be some truth in them, um, but they can't all be true. You know, for example, most world religions teach that life is sacred. We would probably, most of them teach something about life being sacred. Okay, that's, that's probably true. Life is sacred. Okay, so far, so good. Okay, most teach that there is something more, that there's, there's something that happens after this life. That's, we can agree on that. Um, there's some consistencies about morality, how, the ways you should treat people. They're not all exactly in agreement, but there's some consistencies there. Um, and there are, the world major religions talk about sexual purity. I mean, they, they, there is, if we look objectively, there are some things tucked into these different religions, and there's some truths there. Okay, you with me so far? Please, you look like you're, you know, you're not coming after me or anything, are you? Okay, all right. So, but the thing is that if you look at their foundational beliefs, if you look at, you know, I honestly don't now know how you could ever say that they could all be true. I mean, I'm going to take a, a high-altitude flyover view of some of the world, major world religions. We'll just spend a minute on this. Buddhism. Buddhists don't believe in a god or any type of eternal existence. Okay, if you contrast that with the Hindus, they do believe in a god, but their god is impersonal, um, Brahman. You know, and, and he, can, he can be approached through some 330 million sub-deities, idols, sub-gods, through which, you know, statues and idols, so forth, which is very, very different from Allah, the Islamic god, who um, is personal but has no secondary deities. In fact, idols are prohibited, and uh, Buddhism and Hinduism say things like, um, you know, we can't promise you any forgiveness of sin. There's not going to be any supernatural help for you in your life. It's going to come down to you and your karma, okay? And, but then if you look at Christianity, Christianity teaches there's the potential of forgiveness for our sins through Jesus Christ. And, um, um, and our God is a very, very personal God, okay? Buddhists believe there is no God. Jesus says he is God. So there's some pretty major differences here, right? Would you, you know, I mean, I think we can probably agree there's some truth in these, but they can't all be true. They're mutually exclusive, right? Okay. Different down at their roots. So, okay. Number three thing for us to maybe agree on is I think that we can agree that discovering and living truth 
matters more than anything else in life. That's a bold statement. It matters more than anything else in life. I'll give you a couple of examples. You're on an airplane, and the pilot of the airplane, who has been trained by the best trainers in the world, knows what to do, knows how to do it, is skilled and experienced and always successful. And one day, the day that you're on his plane, comes in, looks at all the knobs and dials and levers and things and says, you know, I know what I've been instructed about all of these different knobs, switches, and levers and buttons and what they're supposed to do. But today I'm thinking all buttons are the same. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that you'll tell me there's a difference, but in my mind, they're all equal. So it doesn't matter which one you push, and it doesn't matter when you push it. Um, it just doesn't matter. And I know there's a guy in the tower telling me, you know, take off to the southeast, go ahead and go. But I'm kind of feeling northwest today. So I'm just going to, you know, because I just don't believe in any objective truth. And what may be true for you people in the passenger seats is different for me in the pilot's seat. Are you starting to feel nervous yet as a passenger? Okay. All right. So, uh, you know, here's another example. You've got a sore tummy. Maybe your appendix is kind of swollen. You go see your doctor. and doctor says, hey. You need to get down and see the surgeon right now. That appendix has got to come out of there. So you get there to see the surgeon. The surgeon says, yeah, that appendix is pretty swollen. But, you know, I did five of those last week, and I'm kind of bored with that. I'm feeling more like, like a liver transplant. We'll do it. And, in fact, we won't even do it the normal way. I want to get creative here. Let's flip you over, and we'll come in. You know, we'll, and and um, are you nervous yet? <laughs> Why? Because in both these examples I've given you, your life is on the line. I mean, we're talking high-stakes poker here. This is, um, you know, and you're starting to think, you know, wait a second. Uh, there are some actual objective, absolute truths about flying a plane or appendectomies, and um, uh, you're, 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 it could cost me if you don't uh, agree with these things so, because it's my life. Now, today, the subject that we're talking about is your eternity. Your eternity. Wow. And as you go through life, different people are going to tell you different things. You know, don't you see how seeking the truth for yourself is, it matters the most, more than anything else in life. Where your eternity, no one else, no one else will decide your eternity. That'll be up to you. And I'm not talking to you about, well, my grandma said this, or my freshman world religion teacher said this, or the guy at the 7-Eleven said this, I mean, or my horoscope said that I can make my... I mean, I'm not talking about that. Don't you think that if there's anything to get right, that this is it? Would you agree with that? We're okay so far? Nod at me. Yeah, that's a good part. Okay. Okay. I guess I need some cat jokes or something. Um, Because you are going to die and something is going to happen to you. And if you just kind of feel and, you know, it just kind of think and it just seems right, and if you're wrong, you know, I just can't think of anything that would be more important than to, to get right than to get this right. So notice so far, I've not been telling you what to believe. I'm just t- taking you on a journey and saying, let's take a look at this objectively, because I really believe that getting this right matters a lot 
And uh, I want, I, I, can we agree it matters a lot? Okay, we're good. We're just, so I want to ask you that no matter what you think of Christianity, no matter you know, how you've been raised or what you believe, I want to take a couple of minutes and just ask you to take a look at Jesus. Okay? I, I assume that you're intelligent, so I'm just going to say, let's just take a look at it and together and we'll look at Jesus. And I want to look at four aspects of his life. And um, I believe, I'm asking you to take an objective look. Okay, so first thing is this. We'll look at this. Look at what Jesus taught, okay? So, I mean, you can hate Christianity. You can despise Christians because, you know, we're hypocritical and judgmental, and oftentimes we are. I admit that. But um, take a look at what Jesus actually taught. And if you take an objective look at what he taught, you'll probably have to say that, you know, no matter what you think about Christianity or, you know, Christian churches, You'd have to say he taught some pretty special, pretty beautiful, pretty unique things. And I could have picked lots and lots of verses, um, many translations of the Bible. You look at them in the New Testament, you'll see things printed in red. That's Jesus. These are quotes of Jesus. Um, And there's lots in there to pick from. I just picked a couple. Um, In Luke chapter 6, verse 27 says, love your enemies. Now that right there is amazing that he just said that much. You don't hear that a lot from other world religions. He said, do good to those who hate you. Verse 28, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Lisa and I were out walking. Um, our dog, our dog one time, not too awfully long ago. And we're walking along. We're just minding our own business. And this guy's coming the other way. And he's got a dog. And um, some dog things happened. They were innocent, at least from our viewpoint. We, you know, it, it was innocent. Dogs are just dogs, right? People are people. Dogs are dogs. You can quote me on that. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and this guy, really unprovoked, starts stringing off a series of curses, F-bombs. I mean, he was aggressive, inappropriately aggressive. And um, I, I, things started happening right in here thermometer was going up, the blood pressure was going up. I started finding myself doing some physical things. Um, I took the, my dog, which was, it was a big dog, and my wife, and I put them behind me, and, I, and I, I started looking at this guy, and I started making eye contact with him, and I just zipped this shut, because I knew that anything that came out of that was going to be bad. <laughs> and, um, and I just drilled him with my eyes. He's, all this stuff's coming out of his mouth, and aggression, and all these physical things, and I'm I'm getting mad just now thinking about it again. I'm just, and I just kind of watched him, and, and he kind of just spent himself and then went his way. And I'm ashamed of what happened in my heart because I was ready to go. Stupid. It's so stupid. A guy my age, ready to go. Come on, let's see what you got, kid. You know, what I got for you is pain, you know, but that, you know, my heart was not what Jesus was teaching. What he teaches doesn't come easy to anybody that I know. It's amazing. It's profound. Verse 31, he says, do to others as you would have them do to you. If we just take a look at what he taught, no matter what you think about us Christians, you know, you got to admit, if the world lived the way Jesus taught, this would be a pretty sweet place. Okay, so first one, look at what he taught. Um, Okay. You owe it yourself 
to, to do that. And you can look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I always encourage John. It's a good, well-rounded book. But even if you don't like Christianity at all, take a look at what he taught. Second thing you could do is this. I would ask you, look at the miracles that Jesus performed. Mark 6, 2 says, what's this wisdom that, he, that has been given to Jesus that he even does miracles? And you might say, I, I don't believe in miracles, you know. But okay, take a look at the stories written about them and ask yourself, could it have been that under the power of a supernatural God, he actually did some of these? Okay, just entertain the possibility. Because scripture claims that he opened blind eyes, he opened deaf ears, he opened mute mouths, he healed the lame, he raised the sick, he, he, he fed the people from a few fish and loaves. I mean, he did these miraculous things. Turned water, his very first recorded, he turned water into wine. He wanted the, the reception to be a good wedding reception. I mean, he's doing these amazing things. Well, here's what's significant to me as you read about this. His detractors, his enemies, the Pharisees, they never questioned the validity of any of his miracles. They just wanted him to stop. You know, you'd never see a Pharisee saying, ha, ha, that was a trick. He had a, he had a card up his sleeve. It was magic. It was an, you never see that. You, you never see that. They just said, make him stop. I mean, they just said, you know, get him to stop. Trap him. Even his enemies did not debate the validity of his miracles. They just wanted him to stop. Third thing I'd ask you to look at is, is this one. and Look at the resurrection. Look at the resurrection. If you don't know much about Christianity, this is a pretty big deal to us Christians. Um, the Bible claims that he was God in the flesh, that his, he shed his blood as a sacrifice to, to pay for our sins. And, uh, and the Bible says that on the third day, God raised him from the dead. Now, that belief, that claim, sets Christianity apart. So you've got to ask yourself a fair question. Did that really happen? I mean, did it really happen? Because I haven't seen him. I don't, I don't see him. Peter said this in Acts 3.15. He said, God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses. Peter said, we are witnesses. We saw this. We were there. Now, there are some arguments against the resurrection of Jesus. I'll tell you kind of what they are. I think it's fair to walk through them. You know, some people say that the Roman soldiers stole the body. Okay, so here's the thing about that. If they stole the body of Jesus, when all the Christians were parading around in the days afterwards saying, he's risen, he's alive, he's dead, don't you think the Roman soldiers who stole the bodies would have had waited for their big moment and pulled down the veil and said, hey, 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 here's the body, gotcha, liars. He's not risen, he's dead, he's right here. Why didn't they do that? Why didn't they do that? That argument, you know, that argument, it kind of falls apart on that. But here's another argument. The disciples stole the body. The disciples came up with a plan. They went up against the Roman guards, the Terminators, the Arnold Schwarzeneggers. I'll be back. These fishermen took down the Roman guards. Okay. We'll go with that. Somehow they were so smart and, and clever, they overpowered the Terminators. And uh, wouldn't you think that at some point, if that's what had happened, the Roman guards would have said, hey, they drugged us and they stole the body. But they, <laughs> they never said that. They never said, you know, 
that's what happened. The guards never said that. And according to established history, we know that among the disciples, Judas killed himself. John died of a very old age. The rest of the disciples all died terrible martyr deaths. You know, they, you know, they were crucified upside down. They were tortured. They were beheaded, thrown to lions. You know, they were said, if you don't renounce Jesus, and that, all that stuff was done to them. They were, it was, it's a recorded fact. They were willing to die, and they did not recant their, their, their story. He got up from the grave. They refused to recant that. You've got to wonder, you know, if they didn't actually see him resurrected, if they didn't actually believe in the miracle, do you think they would have been really willing to die by way of torture? I mean, could a rational thinking person really believe that 11 small-town, uneducated, ordinary men devised this ingenious scheme, this most daring plan. They pulled it off, kept it a secret, all so that they could cheat the world into being a better place. That's the the disciples stole the body scenario. I mean, it sounds silly. And instead, they absorbed torture and death to maintain what they believed was true and what they had seen. So ask yourself, could the resurrection be true? Fourth thing I want to ask you is um, look at what Jesus claimed. Look at what Jesus claimed. John 14, verse 6, here's what he claimed. And you don't have to agree with his assertions. Um, You don't have to believe him, but he claimed this. Jesus answered him saying, I am the way. Not one of many ways, but I'm the way. He said, I am the truth, not one of many truths. Not part of the truth, but I am the truth. And what else? He said, I am the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. Now, you don't have to agree with Jesus, but these are very, very exclusive claims. And you only get to the Father through me. There's no other way. That's what Jesus is saying in these scriptures. Muhammad did not make that claim. Buddha didn't make that claim. Confucius did not make, Jesus made that claim. So when you look at what he taught and the miracles and the resurrection and what he claimed, we're basically left with three options to take a look at the question, who do you say Jesus is? First option. You can say he's a liar. You know, He's a good liar. He fooled all the disciples. And he, got, he fooled them so well, he left their homes and their families. If you say that, though, you cannot also say he was a great moral teacher, okay? which is what a lot of people try to do today. Well, he wasn't really the son of God. He was just a prophet and a really good moral teacher. You can't take the position that he was a great moralist and combine that with saying that he was a liar. Because if you're a liar, you're not a great moralist, right? So don't take the position that he, was a, that he was not the son of God. He was just a great teacher and a great moral man. No, he's a liar then. That, you, you, okay, so I guess I've pounded that into the ground. Now, the challenge for me is this. I mean, if, he, if he's a liar, another one is that, you know, at some point, don't you think he would have caved in? I mean, he's pulling off this elaborate scheme, and it's been going really well for a few years, and um, now they're whipping 
my back, and it's not just a whip, it's a short whip, and on the ends of it are tied into little knots of sharp, broken glass and ceramic and stone, and the whip goes in, snap, stick, drag, off with it comes. I mean, it hurts. And 39 times, you're actually tearing up pretty badly. At some point in there, he'd say, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, my bad. I made it up. Didn't do that. Okay, made it through that. How about when they finally get to the point of pounding spikes through joints? Oh, that's got to be. I mean, and at, at one point he was beaten, Scripture says, so he was so disfigured that he couldn't be recognized as a human being. Okay, I mean, this guy, he was tortured. Tortured. And, and I, I, can, I can guarantee you, I don't have the wherewithal. At some point, I would have caved in. Okay, I made it up. I'm just a carpenter. Can I go home now? If I was a liar, I would have caved. Okay, so you can say he was a liar. Second option is you can say he was a fanatic, a lunatic, crazy. He was crazy because there are crazy people in this world, you know. You could say he was a Hitler or, you know, a David Koresh or Jim Jones or, you know, who's that guy? Marshall Applewhite, the guy that believed that aliens were going to pick him up on a rooftop and take him to Comet Hail Bop. (laughs) Okay, there are crazy people, okay, and they'll tell you. um, So he was a liar or he was a lunatic or the third option. You can say he was who he said he was, that he's the Lord God. Those are the options. And as far as I can tell, that's what the choices are about who you say he is. And you can do with that, I think, whatever you need to. You can write him off as a bold-faced liar. You can call him a crazy lunatic. Or you can bow your heart and call him Lord. There was a, a point, point where Jesus was... It's recorded in Scripture where Jesus was with a bunch of his disciples and there was some discussion going on back and forth. You know, some people say you're Elijah. Some people say you're one of the prophets. Jesus cuts right through that. Looks good old Peter in the eye. And he says, hey, forget for a second what everybody else says. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say? And that's the question I want to very respectfully ask of you today, who do you say that he is? And many of us in this room even have been raised kind of going to church. You know, you know we've always been friendly towards God and, 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 and asked the question, you'll say, yeah, Jesus is Savior and Lord. And, but I'm not asking you who you say he is with your lips. What I'm asking you is what is your life saying? Who do you say he is by the way that you live? I mean, because I'm absolutely and completely convinced, and sometimes this keeps me awake at at night, that churches, churches are full of false believers, that there are cultural Christians sitting, listening to the gospel and saying the correct Sunday school answer, but um, maybe your life doesn't say that you've been transformed by the power of God. And let me tell you who he is to me. I mean, he's the one who reached into my dark and selfish heart and replaced it with a new heart, a new heart. He's, he's the one who took 
my filthy life of sin and, and forgive me. He forgave me for things, for things that I don't want to admit to you. <laughs> I don't. He's the one who, by his own supernatural power, enabled me to overcome some specific strongholds in my life. He's the one that took a self-centered, arrogant young man and rebuilt me. I, I wish I was, he'd kept me as a young man. <laughs> But he, he's renewed me, and he's, he's causing me, hopefully, to become more of a man of God tomorrow than I am today, which I hope is more than I was yesterday. Filled me with the Holy Spirit. Gave me f- faith to believe and power to believe. And, you know, he works in my life. Every day, he, he works in my life. He says, Terry, you know, you could be a better husband. You can be a better father. And, you know, I found myself apologizing to my kids for things yesterday. Stupid things I've been doing that I ought not to be doing. I mean, there is one, he's just the one who makes me bold enough to stand up in front of you this moment and say to you, seek him. Seek Jesus Christ. Seek him if you don't know him. And when you talk to him and you seek him like that, listen, he doesn't need your King James English. You can just be raw and authentic. God, are you real? If you have the real power to forgive me, show me somehow. Pray real. God does not feel disrespected by your authenticity. He feels disrespected by patronizing, you know, don't do that to him. Just be honest. God, I'm, I'm trying here and I'm not seeing it. Could you show yourself something here? And I believe with everything in me that if you seek him, you're going to find him. And then you will say, he is Lord. And you'll surrender your life and your will to the king. And here's the thing. Even if you don't, one day you will. Scripture says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so I asked the question, who do you say that he is? Now, I can't convince you of this. I I can't make an argument persuasive enough, but um, by the power of God, he can win you and he can change you and make you into what God wants you to be. I want to pray for you and uh, invite you to just listen to the Spirit. Um, And if the Spirit is speaking to you right now, boy, i got to get right with God. That is the Holy Spirit saying, let me save you before it's too late. So let's pray. Lord, I am so grateful on this Father's Day. I'm just full of gratitude for your love, for the way you have looked at Terry, this young man that was rife with sin and um, I just was arrogant. And the things, I don't have to tell you all the stuff wrong with me, Lord. I know you know about them. But I'm grateful because your word says two things about my sin. Well, lots of things. It says you've forgiven them. It says you've forgotten them. And they've been removed from me as far as the east is from the west. That's a pretty good deal. Thank you for that. I'm full of gratitude today. And I know that you are not a liar, Lord. I know that you are not a lunatic. I know that you are Lord. So I am not going to wait until that day. I'll do it then too, but I'm doing it right now. My heart bows to you, my knees bow to you, my will bows to you, and I declare, 
You are Lord, Jesus. Church, as you're praying, um, keep your eyes closed, please. please. I want to give opportunity to anyone who has never made that confession before to get right with God at this moment. And you want to open your heart to the Lord and say, okay, I just don't know what this means. I'm not joining your church, but I want to get right with the Creator. If you want to do that, let me pray with you. I won't embarrass you, but look up at me. You want to get your heart right with God right now? Right now, look up at me. Just maybe give me a little hand wave so I don't miss you. Okay? Well, Lord, I want to thank you for um, fathers today because you're such a great one. And I know that some people in this room, when they think of their own earthly father, that brings to them pain. But that's not you, Lord, and you never desired that. I pray, Lord, that today would be a day marked with life and love, that, Lord, somehow we will be what you called us to be, and that is an influence in our community of love, of love, Lord. And I thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus.